You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, January 17th. Welcome to 2024. We hope everyone had an enjoyable holiday break and have returned rested and ready to kick off this new year. And what better way to get things rolling than to catch up with IT services leadership at the next SMT Ask Me Anything, taking place on Monday, January 22nd at 10 a.m. Held quarterly, these sessions are designed to encourage your questions about any relevant topic at any time, leading up to and at the event. If you'd like to submit a question, open the event in your Outlook calendar and click on the link for Submit Your Questions To within the description. That's the only update this week. Now, let's welcome back our resident tech historian, Paul Kruger, with a new spin on his recurring segment, This Month in Tech History. Take it away, Paul. Hey, everybody. It's Paul Kruger with This Month in Tech History for the month of January. So let's dive right on in. This month in tech history, January 22nd, 1984, the Apple Macintosh, the first consumer computer to popularize the computer mouse and graphical user interface, is introduced in a commercial during Super Bowl 18. Well, that's all I've got for this month. I'm just kidding. So what I'm going to be doing this year is different from what I did last year. Last year, what I would do is I would give you an entire list of very interesting, very interesting tech history facts. But this year, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just zero in on one tech history fact and do a little bit of a deep dive and see what kind of uh, cool stuff we can learn. And today, we're going to explore the legendary 1984 themed Apple computer commercial. So the year is 1984. Apple's about to change the game with their groundbreaking Macintosh computer. But before the product launch, they needed an equally revolutionary way to introduce it to the world. The commercial opens with a dystopian industrial setting in blue and grayish tones, showing a line of people in drab uniform attire mindlessly marching towards a giant screen where a menacing figure delivers a monotonous speech. Suddenly, a vibrant and athletic woman bursts into the scene, dressed in colorful athletic wear. She races towards the screen, carrying a sledgehammer. As she's chased by four agents of the Thought Police wearing black uniforms, she races towards a large screen where the image of Big Brother speaks. Our heroine, now close to the screen, hurls a hammer towards it, destroying it, leaving the audience in shock. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. And then the commercial concludes with an ominous voiceover, screen fades to black, and the Rainbow Apple logo appears. That was pretty intense. The message was clear. Apple was trying to challenge the status quo, breaking free from the conformity of technology industry at the time. The Macintosh was positioned as a tool for individual expression, creativity, empowerment. The Macintosh computer with its graphical user interface and mouse brought computing to the masses with a user-friendly way. The commercial successfully conveyed that this was not just another computer. It was a tool for those who dared to dream create. 
So the ad was an allusion to George Orwell's noted 1949 novel, 1984. We've all heard 1984, but has anyone ever read it? Well, here's the TLDR version. Now, 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 now. Though it is awesome, I'm not talking about the Van Halen album. 1984 is a dystopian novel and a cautionary tale by English writer George Orwell. Thematically, it centers on consequences of totalitarianism, mass surveillance, and repressive regimentation of people and behaviors within society. The story takes place in an imagined future in an unspecified year believed to be 1984, when much of the world is in perpetual war. Great Britain, now known as Airstrip One, has become a province of the totalitarian superstate Oceania, which is led by Big Brother, a dictatorial leader supported by an intense cult of personality manufactured by the party's thought police. The party engages in omnipresent government surveillance and through the Ministry of Truth, historical negationism and constant propaganda to persecute individuality and independent thinking. The protagonist, Winston Smith, is a diligent mid-level worker of the Ministry of Truth who secretly hates the party and dreams of rebellion, keeps a forbidden diary. He begins a relationship with a colleague, Julia, and they learn about a shadowy resistance group called the Brotherhood. However, their contact within the Brotherhood turns out to be a party agent, and Smith and Julia are arrested. He is subjected to months of psychological manipulation and torture by the Ministry of Love, and is released once he has come to love Big Brother. And no, there was no spoiler alert. The book has been out for 75 years. You should have known this already. 1984 has become a classic literary, literary example of political and dystopian fiction. It also popularized the term Orwellian as an adjective, with many terms in the novel entering common usage, including Big Brother, Double Think, Thought Police, Thought Crime, Newspeak, and 2 plus 2 equals 5. Parallels have been drawn between the novel's subject matter and real-life instances of totalitarianism, mass surveillance, and violations of freedom of expression, among other themes. The Apple commercial entitled 1984 introduced the Apple Macintosh personal computer and was conceived by Steve Hayden, Brent Thomas, and Lee Chow at the advertising agency Chiat Day. 1984 film, written and directed by Michael Radford, starring John Hurt, was shot and released all after this commercial aired, so it's often confused with being the inspiration for the commercial, but maybe the movie, maybe the commercial was the inspiration for the movie. Well, the commercial actually grew out of an abandoned print campaign with a specific theme, quote, there are monster computers lurking in big business and big government. They know everything from what motels you've stayed in and how much money you have in the bank. But at Apple, we're trying to balance the scales by giving individuals the kind of computer power once reserved for corporations. Art director Brent Thomas said Apple wanted to have wanted something to stop America in its tracks and make them think about computers, to make them think about Macintosh. And with a $3.5 million worth of Macintoshes sold after the advertisement ran, Thomas judged the effort as absolutely successful. Quote, we also set out to smash the old canard that the computer will enslave us, he said. We did not say the computer would set us free. I have no idea how that will work out. This was strictly just a marketing position. <laughs> so Ridley Scott, whose dystopian sci-fi film Blade Runner had been released one and a half years prior, was hired by the agency producer Richard O'Neill to direct the commercial. Less than two months after the Super Bowl airing, New York Times reported that Scott filmed it in England for about $370,000. 
The English athlete Anya Major was chosen to play the unnamed heroine after the Chiat Day advertising agency held a casting call in London. The vision of the agency and Ridley Scott stipulated an actress capable of running up to a large video screen, spinning with a sledgehammer and releasing it at the video screen. Most of the models and actresses screen tested struggled to do this with one errant throw nearly striking, striking a passerby at Hyde Park. Anya, however, won the role with her ability to handle a hammer convincingly due to her experience as a discus thrower. Additionally, a big brother character was played by English actor David Graham, who's best known for voicing the Daleks in Doctor Who. They don't attempt to capture them. They are to be exterminated. <laughs> I just thought you'd like that. Steve Jobs and John Scully were so enthusiastic about the final product that they purchased one and a half minutes of ad time for the Super Bowl, annually the most watched television program in America. In 1983, they screened the commercial for Apple Board of Directors, and to Jobs and Scully's surprise, the entire board hated the commercial. Despite the board's dislike of the film, uh, Steve Wozniak and others at Apple showed copies to their friends and offered to pay for half the spot personally if Jobs offered to pay for the other half. In one interpretation of the commercial, 1984 used the unnamed heroine to represent the coming of the Macintosh, indicated by her white tank top with the stylized line drawing of the Apple Macintosh computer on it as a means of saving humanity from quote-unquote conformity. In this, Big Brother is apparently IBM. So the commercial aired only twice on American television. It was once uh, it was first screened on uh, December 31st, 1983, at the very last possible break before midnight in Twin Falls, Idaho, so that the advertisement qualified for the 1984 Clear Awards, which is an annual award program that recognizes innovation, creative excellence, and advertising, design, and communication. But the commercial's best-known appearance was just after halftime on January 22nd, 1984, during a timeout in the third quarter of the CBS telecast of Super Bowl 18, where the Los Angeles Raiders ended up defeating the Washington Redskins 38 to nine. Super Bowl viewers were overwhelmed by the startling ad, which garnered millions of dollars worth of free publicity as news programs rebroadcast it that night. And it was quickly hailed by many as advertising industry as a masterwork. Even with these limited appearances, the ad created such a media frenzy that it gained many subsequent free TV airings and print mentions, as it was discussed in the media afterwards. In addition to winning a Clio Award in 1984, it additionally won the award at the 31st Cannes, Cannes, Lions, Cannes Lions International Advertising Festival Grand Prix. Now, I 100% mispronounced that, and I know all of you Cannes Film Festival people are going to hammer me on that. It also won uh, the Clio Awards Hall of Fame in 1995. Advertising Age was called it the greatest commercial in also in 1995. 1999, TV Guide called it the number one greatest commercial of all time. In 2003, the World Federation of Advertisers and entered it into the Hall of Fame Award, uh, the Jubilee Golden Award is what they called it. In 2007, it was called the best Super Bowl commercial in the, four, in the game's 40-year history. And it ranked number 38 in Channel 4's 2000 list of 100 greatest TV ads. The 1984 ad became the signature representation of Apple computers. It was scripted as a thematic element in the 1999 docudrama Pirates of Silicon Valley, which explores the rise of Apple and Microsoft. 
The film opens and closes with references to the commercial, including a reenactment of the heroine running towards the big screen of Big Brother and clips of the original commercial itself. The commercial was also prominent in the 20th anniversary celebration of Macintosh in 2004, as Apple reposted uh, reposted an updated version of the ad on its website and showed it during Jobs' keynote address at Macworld Expo in San Francisco. In the updated version, the iPod, complete with the signature white earbuds, was digitally added to the heroine. The keynote attendees were given a poster showing the heroine with the iPod as a commemorative gift. And the ad had also been cited as the turning point for Super Bowl commercials, which had been important and popular before, especially the Coca-Cola ad featuring Mean Joe Green from years earlier. But after 1984, those ads became the most expensive, creative, and influential advertising set for all television coverage. Unfortunately, the estate of George Orwell and the television rights holders to the novel 1984 considered the commercial to be a copyright infringement and sent a cease and desist letter to Apple and Chiat Day in April 1984. And thus, one of the most influential commercials of all time, 1984, was never broadcast again, which adds to its mystique. Well, thank you very much for joining me for this month in tech history, where we just did a deep dive into one instance of tech history. Join me next month where I will bring you another deep dive into something else that happened in tech history. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.